by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Corne finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And by Nyong! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Coming up, Marseille show fight against Lyon as the San Paoli revolution commences. Monaco win again. Surely they are now serious title contenders. We'll also look back at PSG's victory and at Lille's draw. We'll talk about Julien Stefan quitting Rennes. Plenty going on in France at the moment and Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast, has all the news and all the discussion coming up for you. I am delighted to welcome to the pod Armel Tangi, who is back after a, a one-week absence. How are you, Armel? Morning. I'm all right. Delighted to be back after a one-week absence. So am I. So am I. It must have been strange last week without Armel and me, but Dave... It I'm was sh- quiet, yeah. It was quiet. I'm sure you did a good, uh, good job filling in. You haven't on- listened to it? <laughs> I haven't had time to listen to it, Dave. Okay, fair enough. There'll be time later today. (laughs) I've been very, very busy sunning myself down in the south of France, but I'm now back, and I was back this weekend to to catch up on the latest uh, Ligue 1 action, and there was was plenty of exciting action, a lot of big matches again at the weekend. The title race is unbelievably close, Uh, but we are going to start uh, our podcast this week by talking about Marseille because so much has gone on at Marseille in the last week. And uh, they had the small matter of an Olympico on Sunday night, Marseille versus Lyon, two huge rivals. Andy Scott commentated the game from the Orange Velodrome. First pie for Paqueta. It's left by Awar, expertly done, and it's an expert finish from Carl Tokuikambi. Lyon take the lead. Milik up against Lopez. And he scores it. And Marseille level. Well, they got the break with the penalty award. And a striker as prolific as Arkadiusz Milik was not going to turn down the invitation with the new president, Pablo Longoria, watching on. Well, terrific stuff, Andy. It finished 1-1. Our our UK listeners may well have watched that game on BT Sport in the UK. Um, David Crossan, 1-1. And ultimately, you know, we'll look at that and see it as a good result for Marseille, who, who are struggling. But under Nasser Lage, they've, they've become resilient. They've drawn a lot of their games under the caretaker boss. And I think overall, they, you know, they, they certainly deserve the point from last night's game. And Nasser Lage has given a bit of pride back to the club. And you can see that in the performances. The players are, are running harder than they were at the tail end of the Andre Villas-Boas era. And he's going to be quite happy to fade back into the background now and go back to his job at the uh, academy as Jorge Sampaoli comes in. And Sampaoli is charismatic and that's given the whole club a lift. And we saw this what back in 2014 when Bielsa was appointed and that was revealed in the April, sort of five games from the end of the season. And Marseille is the sort of club that needs something to cling to and gives the supporters something to cling to. This time, uh, the new coach is coming in with uh, still a fair bit of time to go about a third of the season left and we'll be here for the rest of the season before attacking the next campaign. What he'll need now is big support 
from the new president, Pablo Longoria, as they have to overhaul the squad. But no, a good point for them last night and great for them to have Milik back just in time for Sampaoli arriving. He's got two goals in two games. I'd almost forgotten that he joined, actually, because he's been out injured since scoring that first goal against Lens, I think it was. Yeah, Dave, just to give our listeners a, a recap in case they haven't followed the sort of uh, soap opera that's been Marseille in the last week. We had, uh, uh, so we've had Nasser Lage in charge for a few weeks since, uh, since André Villas-Boas left the club. Um, Jacques-Henri Ayrault, the president who has been under fire for quite some time um, from the supporters, was uh, stood down from his functions as president um, and has been replaced by Pablo Longoria, who is younger than Steve Mondonda, younger than the club captain, just 34 uh, years of age. He's the sporting director. He's, by all accounts, a very talented recruiter, but a huge job now. He is the president of Marseille. Um, Jorge Sampaoli has been confirmed as coach. He hasn't yet arrived in Marseille. He's expected um, in the next in the next couple of days, um, having just finished his stint with Atletico Mineiro in uh, in Brazil. Um, and yeah, that was essentially probably Largue's last game in charge. We'll have to see if uh, if uh, Sampaoli is on the bench on Wednesday. Marseille have got a huge game against Lille, but. Uh, I spoke to a Marseille supporting friend of mine yesterday saying, are you looking forward to the game? And he said, yeah, I am actually, because now we can start supporting Marseille again now that Jacques-Henri Hérault is gone. And Armel, there is a feeling that there's, you know, a bit of a, a release in terms of the pressure and in terms of the hostility that has been surrounding the club. Yeah, the fans got what they wanted. They can all follow Marseille on Twitter again now because that that's how you protest in 2021 is you unfollow the club's official account to, to show your discontent. Or go to the training ground and force the postponement of a match against Rennes. Yeah, I think yeah, in France they found some pretty creative and not always mm. very uh, advisable ways of protesting. But I, I did find that quite an interesting way of the Marseille fans outside of France um, voicing their discontent in this current period where it's very difficult to to show that in 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 person but um but yeah definitely now that Aero is gone the fans have won their battle as such and um and as your Marseille supporting friend said can now get back to actually getting behind the team without feeling like they they're doing something against their own will so it's it's nice it's nice to to know that Marseille and their fans are, are reunited again and good that they managed to get a point against Lyon and that will help stabilize the the route that's being built for um, Sampaoli. Yeah, Sampaoli's got a massive job, hasn't he? Uh, you look at the league table, it's not as bad as you may think for Marseille given uh, you know the last couple of months and the difficulties they've had. If, if they win their game in hand, I know we've been talking about Marseille and their games in hand um, pretty much since the beginning of the season, but if they, they've got one game in hand now, win that and they are fifth, which uh, would be good enough for Europa League qualification, if I'm not mistaken... Um, so you know there is there's something to build on. Of course, there is there is some quality as well. Dave, you touched on, on Milik. I think having that presence in attack is going to change a lot of things for for Marseille. And perhaps you know having a new coach who has a certain reputation and uh, is demanding as well. You know the players are going to want to impress him. You know, can we expect a real upturn from Marseille between now and the end of the season? You'd expect them to get better results than they have done in the in the latter end of the Villas Boas period, or even under Largue. Tovan will be playing for his next move because he's not going to sign a new Marseille contract. So he'll want to work on his stats between now and the end of the season. Payet will be watching to see whether he's being too greedy with the ball. Uh, interesting to see that Largue has given Saif Edin Kawi a, a new 
lease of life. Another player you could have easily have been forgiven for forgetting was still on Marseille's books, but he's done all right in recent weeks as Largue has made it a slightly more attacking system. Uh, and we know that Sam Paoli, while not being Bielsa, does like attacking football. So that's the sort of positive attitude that they need to carry into these games. And yeah, that game in hand is against Rennes. So everyone beats them these days. So why not aim for the fifth place? Well, David, it's interesting you you mention Bielsa um, again. And we know that Sampaoli is often linked or compared to Marcelo Bielsa. He's a huge fan of the Argentine coach. Our producer Ian Holyman had a, a chat with uh, Spanish football expert Graham Hunter this week. Uh, Graham is a good friend of uh, Le Bourgeois official league on podcast and he was he was uh, only too happy to talk to us about San Paoli. He, these these are Graham's thoughts don't forget San Paoli he did have a spell at Sevilla his only spell uh, in Europe so far here's what Graham had to say about Marseille's new coach San Paoli uh, adores certain concepts that the other famous for so um the press is is high it's energetic it's organized constant um, positional football. So the ball flows. If, if the system that some ball, I, I should have begun by saying he's not quite as, I don't believe he's as extreme in his uh, beliefs or manners as, as the other, but it's not far off. So anybody's looking for absolute identity, I think they might be not disappointed, but they'll notice a difference. When he joined Sevilla, they put a, a get-out clause. They thought they had a treasure. Yeah. And they said that the get-out clause, I think the get-out clause was touching 4 million euros, which is pretty big for um, a foreign coach who was coming to Europe, I think, for the first time. I don't think he coached to Europe before. And I think they didn't expect it to be used. Sabaoli had turned the Argentina job down already, and, and latterly it proved to be a pretty disastrous idea in taking over. He, him and Afla, the, the, the Argentinian, that was a, a, a match not made. Anyway, the long and short of it is that by the time Argentina began to approach uh, Castro, the president, directly, Sabaoli was saying to him, Look, I cannot, I will not turn them down twice. Well, it, it's going to be fascinating to see if Sampaoli can get a similar sort of reaction from the Marseille players and the Marseille fans that Bielsa did because um, it was quite electric at times un- under the Argentine at the Velodrome. And it's certainly going to be interesting. I think people are sceptical. No one's quite sure what to expect, but it's certainly one to to keep our eyes on over the coming weeks. Um, Armel, two points drop for Lyon. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, even though, you know, away to Marseille is not an easy fixture, but they looked by far the better team for the first half hour. Toko Ikombi with that goal after a brilliant move. Awar and uh, Memphis Depay were sparkling. But they just sort of lost the thread a bit after that that handball from Paqueta and the, the penalty they conceded. Paqueta perhaps harshly uh, yellow-carded. We're all going to be going through the rules for, for, for handball and the different punishments. His sending off then. 20 minutes from time, of course, handicapped Leon um, for the end of the game. Um, but overall... How do you think Leon will be looking at, at this result? Well, I think their their reaction, whether that's uh, that's uh, journalists' microphones after the game or or online, shows that it is two points dropped for them because they seem to be raging at the uh, referee rather than taking a look at the the way that they set up for the game. And um, given the way things went at the top of the table at the weekend, Leon can 
only really kick themselves that they didn't manage to get all three points against a Marseille team going through a transition period. They should, they should, they should have won if they really harbour real title hopes. Well, they're down to third. They drop a place. They're still only three points behind the league leaders, uh, Lille. Um, just a word on, on Marseille. They're seventh on 39 points. Uh, they have a game in hand on Lens and Metz. Metz are currently fifth on 41 points. Lens sixth uh, also on 41 points. Lens got a, a late equaliser to draw 2-2 against Angers at the weekend. And Metz are just doing unbelievably well. They came from behind to beat Bordeaux 2-1. Um, and they're, they're contenders for Europe. Yeah, I just want to finish off on Lyon, actually, because Rudy Garcia, after the dropping those points, I wonder if he's already thinking about 2018. Because he was Marseille coach then, and Marseille finished fourth with 77 points, which is a record in French football. And Lyon have got 56 points with 11 games to go. Is he going to end up with the same sort of scenario? It's, it's certainly feasible. Well, one of these uh, top four teams who are doing unbelievably well, one of them is going to miss out on Champions League qualification, and that, that's going to be very cruel. Let's talk about Monaco now. Um, Monaco, you know, I do want to give them a bit of attention because I do think we have to take them really seriously because not only are they up there, just four points off the top now, they are the form team. Um, Armel Tangi commentated their game against Brest at the weekend. Um, let's hear what happened at the Stade Louis Deux. Small drop for Golovin. He's held off uh, Romain Fevre and found Jovetic. Now this might be the chance for Monaco. Steven Jovetic is deadly from that sort of situation. It took 75 minutes for the goal to come, but Monaco have scored it. And it's come from the substitute, Stefan Jovetic. It's Golovin. Low into the middle and into the back of the net. And Kevin Volland has his goal. And Monaco do put the game to bed. They've been made to work. But it's the in-form team. Yet again, earning the win. Armel finished 2-0. Monaco left it late. But I think it's now nine wins and one draw in their last 10 in the league. It's unbelievable form. It is. It's it's crazy. They've picked up uh, 28 points from a possible 30 in their last 10 games. They're the only team that's still unbeaten in, in 2021 in France. I mean, the list of that sort of record goes on, but they really are they really are a team that uh, Lille, PSG and Lyon should be worried about if they weren't already last week. This weekend's result really uh, has had made that a reality. And um, although... Their two goals came late on against uh, a Brest side who aren't exactly in the, the top the top places this season. Their goalkeeper, uh, Gauthier Larson, uh, made about 12 brilliant saves before Monaco finally broke through. Um, they're a real team, Monaco. They've got great players in every position. Um, Caio Enrique and uh, Ruben Aguilar seem to just revel in this sort of 3-4-3 three, three formation where they're given the the wings to run up and down and that usually draws teams out allowing the, the brilliant players that Monaco have in the middle to then do their thing. Brest didn't fall into that trap so Monaco had to think about a plan B and their plan B as I think Dave will go into now was the, the brilliant players that they've got on their bench. Yeah it is incredible uh, especially in this era of five substitutes that you can bring on 
Golovin, Jovetic, Diata, all high-quality international players. And then, just as the opposition are wondering what you're going to do next, Niko Kovac can say, OK, here you go, Cesc Fabregas, you start warming up, on you come, 2010 World Cup winner. Oh, and I've got Jibril Sidibe there as well, so why not bring on a 2018 World Cup winner as well? And yeah, the, the other clubs, I'd say even Paris Saint-Germain this season, their bench doesn't look as capable of changing a game to me as Monaco's bench. And it, and it did, because the two assists came from Alexander Golovin, who, who was a 59th minute substitute. And the, the first goal, the one that really unblocked everything, was scored by Seven Jovetic, who was also a 59th minute substitute. So, I mean, the, the only real problem that you can see coming about is that Wissam Ben Yedder seems to be taken off with half an hour to go more and more. And, you know, this is a guy that was playing in Europa League finals regularly with, with Seville, a guy who's, who's pushing to, to start for France, really, with his goal scoring record. And he won't be too happy about that. But in terms of Monaco's progress, they're all guns blazing. I think Niko Kovac places a huge emphasis on on fitness. I think you know he's a modern coach who um, pays a lot of attention to to the statistics, and perhaps that that's the reason why Ben Yedder is 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 getting taken off. Perhaps he's fading a, a little bit in games. Um, Armel, I don't know if you can answer this question. Is is Robert Kovac his? I know he's his brother. Um, is he the fitness coach at Monaco? He's on. He, he's, he's he's among the staff. He's among uh, the staff. Because I mean the, the the work they've done Monaco in the last two years. We shouldn't forget they were struggling against relegation. They were, they always had this injury list of 10, 15 players out injured. Um, that has just been transformed unbelievably. Pretty much everyone's available. They're running more kilometres per game than any other team. And, you know, I think that is another reason why we should be taking Monaco seriously. Yeah, you say the only problem might be Ben Yedda sort of not being happy about being taken off. But in the last few weeks, we've been saying that the only problem will be the defence. And I was just wondering what, what, what you thought, because this tweak, you mentioned that the wing-backs have been really good. This tweak of playing, bringing Axel de Sassi back in and playing with three centre-backs, de Sassi, uh, the, the, the sl- slightly slower but steadier Maripan in the middle and Badiashil on the left, you know, it's perhaps giving that, them that, that, that solidity they, they were lacking. I, I think it's mainly that Maripan has been undroppable because he's now the top-scoring defender in France and that Axel de Sassi, who was named vice-captain by Kovac at the start of the season, is clearly training well, clearly a, a good influence on the team and deserving of his place. So well, if you can still fit in your your wing-backs into a formation where you're happy with the team, that for, for me, Monaco looks stronger this way. Um, Bafana and Chouameni do a wonderful job in the middle. I, honestly, I, I can't really pick too many faults in their team at the moment. Keep your eyes on Monaco as well in the coming weeks. We're going to move on to Lille now, the uh, the league leaders. And by the way, we're going to give you a second opportunity to enter our competition to win a Timothy Ware uh, shirt, the uh, American international who plays for Lille. You can win his shirt. Do stay tuned. Um, we'll be reading out the um, the competition a little bit later in Le Bourgeois. But uh, let's hear what happened between Lille and Strasbourg. I commentated this game from the Stade Pierre Mauroy. They're in trouble here. And Strasbourg have opened the scoring with a shock. Well, he very often only needs one chance, Ludovic Ajok. And the Strasbourg hitman with his 11th league goal this season. Lille are in a spot of bother here. Andre's cross towards Font. Oh, and Jose Font 
the skipper has got Lille level. Well, he's been an inspirational figure all season, Jose Font, mainly in defence, but this time he has shown his quality at the other end of the pitch, and that is such an important goal for Lille. Yes, yeah, so Jose Font to the rescue for, for Lille. It was a really tough afternoon for, for Les Dogs. And, you know, I'm, I've been saying that in the last few weeks. I'm a bit worried about them. They've they've looked disjointed. They went out of Europe uh, against Ajax on, on a Thursday night. And even though Christophe Galtier made seven changes, uh, there was a bit of a lack of, uh, of freshness about them. Um, well done to Strasbourg, who have struggled defensively this season, but set themselves up in a, in a very organised fashion, made life very difficult uh, for Lille. Well done to Ludovic Ajork, who... Um, is having a fine season and is is a very good footballer. He reminds me more and more of Olivier Giroud every time I, I watch him. That strong aerial presence, that that left foot, he took his goal really well. Um, but you know, we we questioned whether Leon would see it as two points dropped. Lille definitely see it as two points dropped, even if they equalised in in the 86th minute. Jose Font, the captain, who is. Uh, uh, such a, an impressive leader for them this season. He was he was really unhappy at the end. And uh, Dave, I think it's it's maybe time to start worrying. If you look at Lille's last three home matches, nil nil against Brest, didn't get a shot on target, lost to Ajax two one, and now this one one draw against a, a lowly Strasbourg team. Yeah, time to start worrying. But they are still top of the table. Uh, they definitely need a, a little boost. Uh, and that should come when Burak Yilmaz eventually returns from injury. We don't expect him to play this week, but after they've played their Coupe de France game uh, against GFCO Ajaxio uh, at the weekend, hopefully he'll be back because they need that lift, they need that extra experience and that competitive streak, that unwillingness to concede a draw or a defeat that Burak Yilmaz uh, adds to the team because you've got, and we've, we've mentioned this before, you have Font who does that in defence, you have Andre who does it in midfield. You need Burak Yilmaz back up front because the others, admirable players as they are, don't have his experience or character. And perhaps Renato Sanchez, you know, I mean, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him because it's been several weeks now that I've been saying Galtier's easing him back from injury, but um, they need him to, to, to be playing regularly now. And he didn't even come on. They brought Checker on in the second half and he improved things. And uh, I think they're wary with Renato Sanchez. I, uh, I, I covered... Uh, their games against Ajax. And there, there's some interesting quotes that Galtier says about Sanchez and his injuries. He says it's to do with tension, that he wants to win so much that his muscles get tense and he ends up getting injured. So that that's quite an insight into Sanchez's character. But because um, both Andre and Jeka were suspended for the first leg against Ajax, Sanchez had to play 90 minutes. He, he played a long time against uh, Ajax again in the second leg. So Galtier, while they were playing twice a week, wasn't going to risk him we should start seeing him play every game once they get back to playing once a week. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit like that as well on, on Le Bourgeois. Sometimes I'm, you know, so desperate to, to, to get the words out in the right order. Sometimes, you know, I tense up, but um, I'm doing my best. And so, so is Renato Sanchez. And I just wanted to ask Armel, because your favourite player, or certainly one of them, Benjamin Andre, set up the equalising goal. It's one of the worst games I've seen from him, actually, in a long time. And I look at... Um, yeah, the the fixture list, the fact that Benjamin Andre is playing pretty much every game. So unusual to see him misplace so many passes like like he did yesterday. So I just wanted to put that to you. It's because he's not usually involved in goals. You know, when he gets involved in, in setting up a goal, he must be a little bit 
what's going on here? Usually I just tackle and win it back. So it must have ruffled a few feathers. And, uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that he can, you know, add something in the attacking sector when he's not at his uh, remarkable best in the, in the defensive sector. You know, Galtier calls Andre the locomotive of his team. I don't think the title bid is off track just yet. Good one. Um, the locomotive, Benjamin Andre, he did, at one point he did this uh, Zidane uh, roulette, or uh, not sure what, what, what the French call it, roulade, roulette, um, on Adrian Thomason. And Thomason fouled him and he was not happy, Adrian Thomason. It was like, you know, mate, you're not Zidane. You shouldn't be doing that to me um, in, in a league on fixture. But he did. And Lille ultimately got a draw. They are still top of the league, but they've got Paris Saint-Germain breathing down their necks now. PSG um, bouncing back. Uh, from their latest uh, setback against Monaco with an emphatic victory. Uh, Ian Holyman had the pleasure of commentating Dijon versus PSG. Mbappé plays that one in beautifully. And here's Moise Keane, surely. Coolly done by Moise Keane. And Paris Saint-Germain have an early lead in Dijon. Mbappé scores cleanly struck spot kick from Kylian Mbappe and he's given PSG a 2-0 lead here just after the half hour mark Draxler nicely done to his former Schalke teammate Kera and inside for Mbappe to finish beautifully done Number 18 of the league season for Kylian Mbappe. Draxler with the corner. And Daniel Pereira is there at the near post. As easy as you like. It's Dijon 0, PSG 4. So PSG 4-0 victors, uh, not massively surprising. They've, uh, they've enjoyed putting goals past Dijon over the last uh, few years. Um, what can we take for it? It's, you know, it... it from it, sorry, it's a much-changed PSG team uh, these days. They're missing a lot of players. Obviously, Neymar and, and Di Maria still out. Rafinha, one guy that we've said um, Pochettino has strangely been overlooking. He came into the sign and was really impressive, was the best player on the pitch. Uh, and, of course, Kylian Mbappe, after misfiring, miss or underperforming against Monaco, was back to his best, I think it's fair to say. Two goals from him. He's got 18 in the league, he's way clear now at the at the top of the scoring chart. So, um, Armel, what can you take? <laughs> They're my takes, effectively. Mbappe back on the scoring trail, Rafinha into the side. What else can we take from the game? Uh, the professional debut of Edouard Michou. No, I mean that's nice to see, but uh, I think yeah, it's it's who is who's Edouard Michou? Edouard Michou is a seventeen-year-old PSG academy product who. Uh, did an internship at uh, BN Sports as a as a journalist, but uh, that's for another day. Did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. But not. Did a... you did you get to work with him? Or... No, no, no. It I... wasn't that Clement, was it? <laughs> the one who pushed in front of me for the photocopying machine. Every... No, oh. it's the one who took your canteen card so he could get <laughs> extra food. But uh, no, I mean it's it's a it's a good result for PSG because obviously they they didn't have Verratti, they didn't have Icardi, they didn't have Florenzi. They needed to to change things up a little, and they've obviously got a, you know, it's nothing new for PSG, but a, a run of games every every three days now. So to have like Danilo Pereira scoring his first goal for the club, to have Rafinha coming in, and not that I ever doubted his talent, but was able to to prove his worth to Maurizio Pochettino, to have 
Carrere have a, a decent game, who's uh, often criticised by PSG fans. Um, it's it, it's positive, and to come back to Edouard Michu because that's where I started. It's nice to be able to bring on a 17-year-old when you when you're four nil up in a in a period where you've got plenty of games coming through. Dijon are terrible though. That's <laughs> seven defeats in a row, and they're rock bottom of the table. They're they're gone basically. They're nine points behind anyone else. Nantes second bottom. Uh, so it's one of those games. They've, they've just got to go out and, and win the match. You can't do any more than that. You don't want to pick up any new injuries. Good for Mbappe to extend his lead at the top of the scoring chart, move on to the next game. I'm sure Pochettino would have said that at the uh, final whistle because they're off to another one of his former clubs, Bordeaux, in midweek. Yes, that will be interesting. There are some fascinating midweek games uh, on Wednesday night. We'll talk about them at the end of the pod. We're going to talk about what's happening at Rennes as well. But uh, time for the competition that I promised we would be uh, bringing to you. Dave already read the clues out last week, but uh, uh, another opportunity for you. We've had some some good answers. We've had some not so good answers. It's harder than usual, I have to admit. Our producer, Ian Holyman, has really dug deep here. But the prize, a Timothy Weir, Lille shirt. You know, it's, it's worth digging that bit deeper into Wikipedia or wherever you guys look for, for the information. Perhaps you know it already. Anyway, here we go. Um... These are the Deja Who clues. Um, three clues. They all have a link to Timothy Ware. You need to come up with the three players that we're talking about. So here we go. It's Deja Who time. We played against each other this season, but were once mates in a city that's so good they named it twice. Clue number two. Once a PSG Youth Academy player, I shot myself in the foot for my career in France, but I have since found the right sort of target. And clue number three. I played under our PSG boss twice and previously had a keen interest in ceramics. It really does feel like Ian Holyman has um, had a bit of fun with, uh, with these clues. If you think you know the three answers... To win a Timothy Weir shirt, please do send us those answers either by email. No, send them by email. That's best because otherwise if you put them on Twitter, people will see the answers. Send on email, league1podcast at gmail.com. We very much look forward to hearing from you. I think even if you don't know, I'd be delighted to hear who you think is interested in ceramics. So send in anyway, please. (laughs) Yeah, all answers. All answers welcome. We also welcome your ratings on the different podcast platforms it is uh, it's a great support for us to um to get your your feedback to get your ratings and it shows that um that you are interested that you're listening and that you want this podcast to continue as much as we do so before we go on a bon voyage let's have a look at the uh, the other matches that we haven't mentioned Rouse nil Montpellier nil enough said about that perhaps um yeah, I was listening on the radio to that one and, and the commentator kept saying, this is really entertaining. These two teams are playing really good football. He was watching and, the repeat of the 4-3 no, in Montpellier weird cause, earlier. Because all the other journalists in the studio were going, but nothing's happened. There haven't been any chances. So anyway, I, I'm not quite sure what to make of that one. Uh, Lorient 2, Saint-Étienne 1. Lorient coming from behind. Um, this is definitely worth a mention. Armand Loriente, who... It's not an easy name for us Englishmen to, to pronounce. It's like being called Londoner and it, being from London. And playing for London. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. But London's not a team, is it? I mean, True, okay. Or I'm being... trying to think. Yeah, you can't say Brummie or Mancunian. Uh, no. yeah. 
But yeah, Loriente plays for Lorient. People who are from Lorient are called Les Lorientes. Anyway, Armand Lorienté is an exciting young player. He scored a wonderful free kick for Lorient to make it 1-1. And then he got a winner with five or six minutes left. Um, big, big result for them. Um, they climb back above Nîmes, having lost to, to Nîmes in midweek. So just checking the standings. Lorient are now out of the relegation zone. They're 17th. Nîmes are 18th. Um, they, that's the playoff position. Uh, Nantes are down to 19th and Dijon rock bottom 20th. Um, Nîmes 1, Nantes 1 was the other scoreline. Nîmes getting an important equaliser to ensure that they stay above Nantes. So that's going to be interesting, the relegation battle to keep our eyes on until the end. But uh, midweek games coming up on Wednesday, we're going to take a look ahead. We're going to go on a bon voyage. Okay, so 10 matches this Wednesday night before the Coupe de France takes centre stage at the weekend. Um, Dave, I'll go to you first. Where do you fancy going this Wednesday? Uh, I reckon I'll go to Nice-Nîmes, actually. Nice got a a good win over Rennes at the weekend. Still need a a few more wins to be entirely safe from relegation trouble. I like what Nîmes are doing under Pascal Planck, and I haven't seen in the flesh my favourite player, Renault Ripar, this season. Plus, I need to be down in that part of the world for later in the week, so I might as well go early. Should be good. William Saliba made a mistake on Friday night. He uh, he played a pass to Martin Terrier, uh, who scored an incredible goal for for Rennes. But that's you know been. I thought you were going to say made a mistake signing for Arsenal. That's pretty much the only blemish on his copybook since he uh, since he joined Nîmes, uh, Nice. Nice. Sorry, uh, in in January. Uh, by the way. Lots of action on BT Sport um, in, in round 28. If you do live in the UK, you can watch Lille against Marseille on BT Sport at 8pm UK time. That's 9pm in France. Um, in terms of the 7 o'clock matches, we've got Lyon against Rennes. That's 7 o'clock in France. You can watch that on BT Sport at 6pm in the UK. Armel, any, any of those games taking your fancy? Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a later kickoff. Person, I'll go for the for the Lille Marseille at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. I think it'll be very interesting to see uh, how how Lille react to that uh, one-all draw with Strasbourg this weekend, and see how how Marseille react to the the new era that's uh, that's going on ahead of them whilst uh, San Pauli isolates, trying to shake off any potential COVID residue that he may have travelled over with. So yeah, it should be an interesting game and. Uh, Maybe I'll ask Timothy Weyer for some of the answers to the ridiculously hard questions. That I'm not even sure he'll asked. get it right, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ceramics? I'm not sure he needs to win a Timothy Weyer shirt, to be honest. Bordeaux versus PSG is another game on not, on Wednesday night. That's going to be interesting. Bordeaux in a real rut. But could that be the, uh, the moment to come out of the rut against PSG? We'll have to wait and see. I'm going to choose um, the first game that I have in front of me on the list, which is Lyon versus Rennes. Kick off nine, uh, sorry, kick off seven o'clock in France on Wednesday. Leon, of course, do need to get back to winning ways, um, but it's going to be fascinating to see how Ren um, get on following the news that dropped this morning that Julien Stefan has uh, has resigned as Ren coach. Bit of a bombshell that one, guys. Um, he's been in charge just over two years, almost two and a half years. Of course, he won the French Cup, beat uh, PSG in the final, got them into the Champions League. Um, we've been talking about him a lot as the best up-and-coming coach in France. Um, 
how disappointed or surprised are you that uh, Julian Stefan at 40 years of age has decided to to throw the towel in if you like just one victory by the way in 2021 they have been struggling but a bit like Marseille they've got that game in hand that if they win they're up to fifth so it's not like they're they're in a horrible position it's, it's a bit sad to see that he he was stuck on 49 wins with the club since the 17th of January um I was really hoping it at least get to 50 before anything happened of this manner. But if you really want to know what went wrong, you've got to go back for just after they lifted the Coupe de France and the man who lifted the Coupe de France, Benjamin Andre, left for Lille. Since then, it's all been downhill. Although they, really. did, they did finish third without Benjamin Andre. Yeah, in fairness, Julien Stefan <laughs> did lead the club. <laughs> a to club their record best, finish. <laughs> best ever league finish. It's, it's a shame to see him go, but um, I mean... We don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, do we? Clearly, there, there was a change in... Um... Uh, what we do know is that they spent more last summer than any other club in Ligue 1. And Nikola Olvek, the new president, who was appointed just as we went into the the COVID pandemic times about a year ago, and Florian Maurice, who's in charge as the sporting director, they've got to take a lot of responsibility for this because yeah. they've wasted that money. When you spend €50 million Euros or so on Martin Terry, Cyril Gerasi and Jeremy Doku... You need more out of them than what they've got. They, they've only got eight league and goals from that trio this season. Yeah, but it's hard. Kamavinga but, uh, and Nzonzi have disappointed. Like, who's been playing up to their true level? They did have that good run just before this awful run, but that was already masking their deficiencies. Yeah, but Jeremy Doku might hopefully will come good. I mean, you know, we we were bigging up this uh, recruitment. Yeah, but at the they start already of the had season. Rafinha, who was playing well, this really is, well. Yeah, this is this is something that I wanted to touch on because Rafinha has looked absolutely brilliant in the Premier League for Leeds. But it's a farmers league. What is the Premier League? Just look at Josh Madger. Yeah, you go there, two goals. No, it's bingo. interesting. It's interesting. But I, I, I was digging into this a bit of the weekend because somebody was asking me about Rafinha and what he was like in France. And I think he was potentially, you know, just starting to look the real deal when they decided to sell him. Wren made the statement that Rafinha had decided he wanted to go to the Premier League and, you know, it's difficult to stand in the way of a player. When Rafinha actually talked for the first time a month or so later, he said... Um, Ren told me that they wanted to to sell and that they had a a bid of seventeen million. Ren paid twenty one million for him. They sold him for seventeen million a year later. That you know, I don't know exactly what happened there, but that suggests that there are issues behind the scenes. That something something's not right. We know there have been changes, presidents and sporting directors. Um, but yeah, I, I think that 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 suggests. And just going back to Julian Stefan, I would say that. I think his reputation is is very much intact. I think he's still going to be regarded as a very um, hot young property in terms of uh, a coach. Um, and perhaps he's being clever getting out now and not letting this kind of deteriorate more and perhaps Ren finishing down in 12th or something. Um, yeah, so we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see what happens at Ren. I think there's work to be done, but I think Julian, <clears throat> sorry, Julian Stefan will be in, in demand this summer. No, I've always got respect as well for coaches who make the decision themselves, particularly if that means that he's going to leave without any compensation because he's chosen to resign rather than be sacked and get the money that would be on the rest of his contract, I assume. That's how it's all going to play out. So I'd say, yeah, respect to him. Done a, a fantastic job. And yes, he'll be back uh, on a league and bench or maybe even abroad before very long. And in the meantime, we've got Philip Bizerl, former Leon employee. He'll be on the bench on Wednesday against Leon. Any um, contenders? Uh, any, any, do you want to have a little guess about who's going to be the Wren coach? Just trying to think. Uh, oh, I think Dominic's Cri- probably out the running. Christian Gorkouf back for a third spell at Wren. Um, Jocelyn Gorvenet? 
Former Ren player. That's, out, not, out that's not a bad call. Habib Bay is, is keen, apparently, to get into management. I'm going through all the Canal Plus pundits at the moment. Yeah, Happy Bay does an interview a week, doesn't he? Saying he can't wait to get started. Hasn't been given a chance yet. And who knows whether they just want to go for a short-term appointment internally through to the end of the season and then actually take their time to think about it. Because in general, you don't get the best coaches available at this stage of the season unless you're offering them a, a massive step up, in which case they'll force a way through to leave their club. But off the top of my head, I'm, I'm struggling to think of someone that I'd want straight away. Mm, potentially a good job, though. Good club. Potentially, we've been saying that for 20 years, but uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Thank you so much. We are um, at the end of the latest uh, edition of uh, Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast in association with BT Sport. We do hope you've enjoyed our coverage. Do your best to, um, to catch all of the action this Wednesday night. It should be absolutely fascinating. We will be back very, very soon. Have a great week from Armel Tangi, David Crossan and me, Matt Spiro. It's au revoir. Et à bientôt. Oh, Benyatta, beautifully done. Sensational.